Good morning, this is Music 316, and today is Friday. Is it the 8th or the 9th? 9th, everybody knows that, good. I had asked you to print out and bring to class the handout on the eight sounds of Chinese musical instruments. You remember the Western way of looking at musical instruments uses four categories or four types of instruments depending on how they produce sound. They produce sound by vibrating strings, by vibrating membranes, by the vibrating solid body of the instrument or by vibrating air. The Western system is based on the physics of sound and there are four, um, four categories of instruments. Chinese classification uses eight categories of instruments. They're arranged in a circle, starting with our friend the Qin down here and going around the circle. Why a circle? Because the instrument types are assigned to directions. So the chin is in the south. This instrument here, we'll come, to back, come back to it, is in the southwest. This one is in the west. This one in the northwest. The drums up here are in the north. This instrument here is in the northeast, this one in the east, and the tiger that we talked about for a minute last Friday, last Wednesday, is over here in the southeast. The instruments are part of a microcosm. And you remember we talked about the microcosm when we talked about the chin embodying the heavens and earth, we also talked about the chin embodying the structure of the, the kingdom or the empire of one's country, and the chin as embodying the family as microcosm of the country. So you're familiar with the idea of the microcosm, the smaller set of things that embody or represent the larger set of things. Because the whole world and because the universe is made up of these four directions, southwest, north, and east, and the directions in between, the instruments have to fit that system of directions in order to be balanced with the universe. They have to be a microcosm. They have to be a smaller model or a smaller representation, embodiment of the universe as a whole. To have good music, you have to have a complete world to have it in, and the instruments have to correspond to the whole world in terms of its basic directional layout in space, north, south, east, West, you've got to have all of those to make the world. 
and, of course, the ones in between. So also, just as the world has to be complete in space, it also has to be complete in time. And so if you look at this chart here, each of these directions corresponds to a particular time. Summer down here in the south, winter up in the north, and maybe that's for obvious reasons, because it tends to be colder in the north and warmer in the south. And then the circle of time moves around clockwise from summer to fall over here in the west to winter in the north to spring over here in the east. Why the east? Well, maybe that's because where the sun rises and fall is in the west, where the sun sets. The Chinese New Year begins in the winter, and so we really should be counting the cycle around from winter at the top, winter, spring, summer, fall, and back to winter again. So this whole set of instruments then represents a complete world in space and time. It embodies the space-time continuum that is the basis of existence and of life in the world. Now, one other thing, if you look at this circular core of the whole group of instruments, besides space and time, there are materials, silk, in the south, earth over here, metal in the west, stone up in the northwest, skin in the north, gourd in the northeast, bamboo in the east, and wood in the southeast. Eight different kinds of material because the world is a place that is made up of a diversity of materials. And, whoops, just a second, I have a runaway transmitter here, and I'll see if I can clip it back in. Maybe it'll stay there and not try to get away again. A diversity of materials, eight different kinds of materials that are used for these different kinds of instruments. But Let's take a look at these materials. Here in the south is silk. And here is the chin. Is the chin made of silk? It's mostly wood, isn't it? And, but the silk is in the strings, like you were saying, like you guys were saying. And... <coughs> It's called a silk instrument. And indeed, in the Chinese classification system, all instruments with strings originally were classified as silk instruments because their strings were made of silk, traditionally. <clears throat> Look up here in the north. The drums are classified as skin instruments. Are the drums made of skin? 
Well, 98% of their mass is wood. 98% of their cubic material is wood. But they do have skin. The skin is, what, what part of the drum is that? It's the part that you play. It's the part that makes the sound. So it looks like maybe this system of classification is not about what material the instrument is made out of, because the chin isn't made out of silk, the drum isn't made out of skin, but both of them, the chin has silk strings, the drum has skin playing heads. So it looks like we have the same kind of classification system that we have for Western instruments, used by Western scholars to classif classify instruments. But we start running into trouble when we look at some of the other instruments. Not so much with these. The bell chime here is a wooden rack that holds a set of metal bells. And these bells are hanging from strings or ropes. And you hit them with hammers and play notes on them. That's pretty easy to understand. It's classified as a metal instrument. Again, it's the part that you play, the part that vibrates and creates the sound. This one up here is a stone chime made with these L-shaped pieces of stone. And again, you hit the stones with a hammer, just like the bells. Both the stones and the bells are made in different sizes, starting with little ones up here, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you get big, heavy ones down in the lower right. Upper left, little, low, little, bigger, 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 and the biggest and heaviest one in the lower right. And that means that you can play a musical scale going from high to low or from low to high on either of these instruments. But again, the stone is the part that you hit, the part that you play, that vibrates and sets the air in motion and produces a sound. What's the difference between the Chinese classification of these in two classes, the metal and stone instruments, and the way that Western scholars would classify them? How would a Western scholar classify these? What? Idiophones, solid instruments that vibrate because of their own solidity and elasticity. Um, but are they both idiophones? How many say both? How many say not, uh, not both? Okay, I'm glad, not, uh, I'm glad nobody's saying not both because they are both idiophones. Why? 
Oh, because remember what idiophone means? Self-sounding. They sound because of the nature of their solid bodies that vibrate to set the, set the air in motion. And both the metal bell and the stone chime are solid bodies that set air in motion because of the vibration of their solid, um, uh, their solid shapes. And so in the Western system, you need one category because it's how do they produce sound. And both these instruments produce sound because of their solid body that you strike and vibrate. But in the Chinese system, you need to identify a material. And because these are two very different materials, stone and metal, they need two classifications. So there is one difference between the Chinese system and the Western system. Here's the tiger that we talked about um, day before yesterday. That isn't a real tiger, and the, play the players are very happy about that. But it is a wooden tiger. And if you look closely at this wooden tiger, you see that he has a kind of a rough back. In fact, that back is kind of like a saw with teeth. But it's made out of wood. And I'm sorry, I don't have a Chinese tiger to show you, but I'll show you this similar Thai frog. This is a wooden frog from Thailand. And you play it with a wooden stick by scraping it back and forth on the serrated sawtooth edges on its back. And you can get these various croaking sounds out of it. The Chinese tiger is the same idea. It gives us a deeper, growly kind of, kind of a sound. Um, but it's the same principle, friction against a textured hard surface. And like the tiger, this um, frog has a hollow space inside that re resonates and amplifies the sound of scraping the wood pieces against each other. And the word I used to describe sawtooth or serrated is that kind of a contour. So when you scrape across it, it gives that loud scraping sound. <clears throat> And that's what the tiger was in the ancient Chinese orchestra. Tigers aren't used very much um, in um, Chinese music. They've been revived in historical um, context, and they were, uh, they were preserved in Korean um, music. Um, and they're used to start and end musical pieces. So again, the material that you play here is solid, and that makes this an idiophone. And it's a wooden idiophone. So this is our third category 
of idiophone in the Chinese system because it's a different material from either metal or stone. So you have those three categories, metal, stone, and wood for idiophone in the Chinese system. Then we also have three categories for <clears throat> for what the, the instruments that Western scholars would classify as aerophones because they all produce music by means of vibrating air. And there are three very different kinds of instruments. Uh, the one that is perhaps easiest to understand is the panpipes. I should bring in a set of panpipes to show you. But panpipes are a set of flutes that play one note each. And you put together a bunch of longer and shorter ones to give you different notes. And the trouble with this picture is that it shows the panpipes wear, wearing a fancy suit of clothes, a cloth cover that covers up most of the flutes, most of the bamboo tubes that form the set of flutes that make up the panpipe. So this white space here is covering up these longer and shorter pipes that you see get shorter toward the middle of the instrument and longer towards both the right and the left sides of it. If you saw this instrument undressed, it would look like that with longer and shorter tubes, each of which is played as an open-ended flute. They blow across the top and it creates vibration in the air column and creates a, mus a musical sound. That's how a flute works. But <clears throat> because the tubes here are made of bamboo, this is classified as a bamboo instrument. But wait a minute. The bamboo is not what makes the sound. The air makes the sound. When you play a flute, when you play an aerophone, you don't hear the sound of the material that makes up the body of the instrument because that would make, that would make it an idiophone if you did. What you hear is the sound of the vibrating air that's set in motion when you play it, when you blow into it in various ways. And let's just take a quick look at the different kinds of aerophones. So go back to your musical instruments page. Aerophones, flutes, I think I drew a picture of a simple flute before. Flutes have a sharp edge. You blow air across the edge. The edge 
splits the airstream in two, part of the air goes out, part of it goes into the flute, and that sets up an equal, even vibration of <coughs> bits of the airstream that come through the inside of the flute, and those vibrate with a fixed frequency that produces a sound wave. That's how a flute works. There are many kinds of flutes. There are flutes that the player plays by blowing across the end of the flute. End blown or cross flute. There are, I'm sorry. I'm mixing up my terminology. Unblown or vertical flute. There are flutes that the player plays by blowing across the edge that's cut into one side of the flute while holding the flute sideways or horizontally. Horizontal flute or a cross flute because it makes the player cross if you have to play that way. I think that's why we call it that, I'm not sure. Or it may have to do with holding it across the face instead of vertically to the face, perp perpendicular to the mouth. Um, did you have a question? Let me get down here. Okay, let's try again. Um, what does the first picture show? The first picture shows somebody blowing across the end of a flute, like this is the end of a flute here. Okay, like that. Okay, and when you blow across the end, and I'm sorry, this isn't a flute, it isn't um, um, a, a hollow tube, so I, I, I can't really demonstrate the sound on this. Anybody have a Coke bottle or anything um, that we could try this with? I, could, I, I can show you on another type of flute, but anyhow, there has to be a sharp edge that splits the air in two. And I'm not sure that I can explain that any better than I did. If you blow across a sharp edge of anything, let's see, do I have a knife in my pocket? Um, you know, if you blow across your hand like this, you have to look to see. It splits the airstream in two. Some of the air goes this way and some of the air goes this way. Some air is going up over my hand, some air is going down below my hand. If my hand were a hollow tube and I did that, then the air would go down through the tube. And if the edge of my hand was really sharp, and this tube was really smooth and closed up and not full of leaky fingers like my hand, then it would make a flute-like sound, a whistling kind of a sound. And that's what happens when you, when you whistle as you're blowing air, air, air through the, um, 
um, the edge of, of, of your mouth opening, and that's splitting the stream in two and giving you uh, sound. Uh, let me show you a different kind of flute, because I do have one. Okay, so let's look at a flute. <clears throat> this is a flute, too, even though it's not shaped like a tube. This is the instrument that you see down here in the southwest of the circle that looks kind of like an egg with a few circles on it in the picture. And what it is is a little bit larger than your um, typical breakfast egg with a flat bottom so you can set it down without it rolling off the table. And it has holes here, here, and here, and here, and here. And it has a big hole at the top here. And if you got a close look at this instrument, you would see that the hole at the top is sharpened around the rim so that it's very thin right at the opening so that there is a sharp edge there, not quite like a knife. You can't really cut yourself on it, but it's sharp enough that it splits the airstream cleanly in half. The side with two holes here are for your two thumbs to cover, and then the other holes <coughs> fall naturally under your fingers. And what you do is you blow across the top edge on this instrument. I'm looking for a Coke bottle kind or a beer bottle kind of sound. Hey, there we go. Well, I've never been very good with flutes. I'm lucky to get one in a dozen um, tries. Give me a few years and maybe I'll be able to get a few more notes out of it. But you get the idea. Uh, yeah. And, um, gee, I wish there was a, um, a well-qualified well ancient Chinese globular flute player around here. The um, name that we have for an instrument like this is the ocarina or ocarina. Ocarina, which is a globular or globe-shaped flute. And this is made out of ceramic or 
baked clay, just like the ceramics that you might produce in the ceramics class and over across in the art building here if you took a course in that, or just like the plates you might have used to eat your uh, meals at home um, um, and in some restaurants or cafeterias uh, as well. That's all this is. It's baked in an oven after being shaped out of clay to produce this very nice smooth shape. It's, it's got glazing um, added to it to give it this nice shiny um, surface. And um, it's really quite an effective instrument in the hands of a skilled player. Do we have any ocarina players in the class? I'm sorry, I should have asked. Um, it's not impo impossible that, um, um, that we have a player of almost any instrument in here um, in any given year, but I guess there isn't any um, today. So look, here's another aerophone. This is a flute, just like the panpipes are a set of flutes. This one, a simple panpipe of one, two, three, four, five flutes. That would give you five different notes. This one, a single flute, but with these finger and thumb holes, five finger and thumb holes, which could actually give you more than five different notes. A good player would know different combinations of fingering, opening one hole, opening uh, two holes, opening a combination of thumb hole and finger hole, etc. That would um, give quite, quite a range of notes. Two different kinds of flutes, and they're in two fundamentally different classifications. The bamboo panpipes and the baked clay or earth as the Chinese classify, classify it, the earth um, globular flute or ocarina. In neither case is the material the basis of the sound. The shape of the instrument helps to determine the sound, particularly the edge that you blow across and the finger holes or the configuration of separate tubes but it's really the air that gives you the sound, not the clay, the ceramic, the earth, or the bamboo. So it's beginning to look like the um, classification of the Chinese, even though it cites materials of different kinds, is not necessarily the material that produces the sound. And we would see that <clears throat> clearest of all if we had a mouth organ here in class. And I'll see if I can find one to bring it tomorrow. They've been moving our instruments around uh, in the instrument collection, so uh, it may take some detective work to find one. But the mouth organ is an old Chinese instrument uh, that also is an old Southeast Asian instrument. It's kind of a bridge instrument between East Asia and Southeast Asia, found in both areas. And the original mouth organs 
were made with bamboo tubes, longer and shorter tubes, like the panpipes. And so, it's doing that again, isn't it? Maybe I can just put it in my pocket. The bamboo tubes on the mouth organ are like that. And, of course, the short one produces a high sound. The long one produces a low sound. But if it's upside down like this, you can see how you could blow across the tops of these pipes. But you couldn't blow across the tops of these pipes because you try to blow here and you'd be jabbing yourself in the corner of the face with the longer pipe next to it. So, and you'd have to stand on your head to play these. What the mouth organ builders have done is to add, time to pull out an emergency marker. <clears throat> what the mouth organ builders have done is to add an air reservoir down here and a breathing tube so that the player breathes into the air reservoir and it feeds air up into all of these pipes at once so the player doesn't, doesn't have to move their mouth from one pipe to the other. But then how do you decide which pipe you're going to get sound from? Well, the pipes all have holes in the side for the players to put their fingers on and cover them or lift their fingers and leave the holes open. If you leave the holes open, the pipe isn't going to make any sound. If you put your finger over the hole, the pipe is going to make a sound. So you just move your fingers almost as if you were moving your fingers on the piano keyboard and you get the sounds of the different pipes when you want it. This is an instrument that we call by a technical term you may have heard. The mouth organ. This was the original prototype of the western mouth organ, the harmonica that you may have heard in folk music and uh, jazz and blues and other, ki other kinds of, of, um, of Western music, a very widespread and popular um, instrument that originally was inspired by the Chinese um, and Southeast Asian mouth organs, um, as were other similar kinds of instruments like the harmonium and the free reed organ. Um, and so forth and so on. And we'll talk some more about this kind of instrument as, a, as an aerophone. This is a reed instrument, the mouth organ. These are flutes. And the other main kind of aerophones our trumpets. We'll be running into all of these later in the course. 
But the point of the mouth organ in this classification, look how it's classified, gourd. How do you mean gourd? It's an aerophone. The sound is created by vibrating air. Turns out that the air is set in motion by a reed that is cut into each of these bamboo tubes. And originally the reeds were made out of bamboo. Later, the manufacturers started putting in metal reeds for a louder and cleaner sound than the, than the bamboo reeds. But they don't call it a bamboo or a metal instrument, even though those are closer to the sound production than the gourd. The gourd, of course, is this round air chest or air reservoir that takes in the air that the player breathes through the tube there, and the air circulates in here until it's released through one of the pipes to make a sound. So... Reservoir, or if you want to think of it as a holding tank for the air inside the instruments. So what is the principle of this system? What are the Chinese scholars and philosophers who are very smart people? They're not dumb. They knew that the gourd didn't create the sound in this instrument. Well, if you look at all of these together... The only thing that the material terms have in common is that they are all the most distinctive, the most diverse part of the instrument. This is a system where the most important thing for you to know is how diversity combines together into a complete whole, into a, a whole that includes all of the directions of space, all of the seasons of the year, and all of the important materials that go into making up this diverse and multi-elemental, multi-formed world. And that is what the Chinese philosophers and scholars were thinking who devised the system. <laughs>